So I pull my pants and my underwear down to my ankles. And before I can turn around and tell them to kiss my ass, these two giant fucking security guards from the whiskey grab me and throw me out onto the strip with my little dinky swinging in the wind. One, two, three. (laughs) Count us in there. All right. Welcome to, hey, did you ever see that movie? I'm your host, Des, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lynn. Lone Rangers? That's original. How do you pluralize Lone Ranger? I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) And joining us today, the podcaster with a bass guitar, Tony. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Today, we will be discussing the 1994 rock comedy, Airheads, written by Rich Wilkes, directed by Michael Lehman, starring Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi, and the great David St. Hubbins of Spinal Tap. As always, this movie will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it, then come back and listen to the podcast. But before we get into it, let's run the trailer. I can't take that tape from you. If it's unsolicited, I can't touch it. It's not easy to break into the music business, but these three guys... What's your secret code? I can't tell you my code. Just found a way. You guys are a unsigned band, and you broke into the radio station to get your demo played on the air? I just feel a little goofy, but a water pistol. They don't know it's a water pistol. They think it's real. Whoops! Look, all I want to do is be heard, and then we're out of here. Okay, who are you guys? My name's Pip. The band. The band name. Sorry about that. Oh, man, look at the demo's wasted. Well, what are we going to do now? Run! I'm a police. I'm surrounded. I don't want to go to jail. I'm fragile. Everybody on the floor right now. Uh, do, do you mind if I sit in a chair? I, I don't want to get all crazy. Uh... Uh, if she doesn't sit on the floor, I don't know why I have to. Sit down! Everybody else gets to sit in a chair except for you. Is everybody okay in there? He wants to know what your demands are for releasing the hostages. What's he mean by hostages? It's the inbreed. We asked for a whole bunch of weird stuff. This way we can plead insanity later. Number 13. Naked pictures of B. Arthur. Excuse me? I think you're exceeding your maximum weight limit for that belt. (laughs) (laughs) No! swimming pools he doesn't wear a helmet does he you guys are crazy man it's a plastic gun a plastic gun now what are you gonna do about that Chunk style (laughs) improvise the lone rangers what's wrong with that well there's three of you you're not exactly lone no idea what you're saying right now Airheads. I gotta deal with them. We gotta send one person out. I'll go. One of the hostages, doof. Sorry. The music made them do it. Okay, and now it is time for Dez's four and one, four fun, and one fake facts. <laughs> and it will be up to my two co-hosts to try and figure out which fact is total bullshit. 
Here we go. Fact number one. Brendan Fraser actually sang the lead vocal on the demo for Degenerated that was used in the movie. Number two. Lemmy is actually God. Number three. John Cusack was the first choice for the part of Chaz. Number four. Christina Applegate was actually the first choice for the part of Kayla. And number five, Mike Palm, the legendary singer of the band Agent Orange, actually wrote the song Degenerated for the punk band Reagan Youth. Tony, I'll go to you first. Which of the five fun facts do you think is total bullshit? They're actually all completely 100% true. They are not. Okay. Let me I know Lemmy is not God. All the rest are true. I know Lemmy's not God, but come oh, on. Get there. You're blowing yourself out of the water as a fucking rocker. Lemmy is God. That's a trick question. Exactly. Come uh, on. You can't deny that fact. Uh, no, the, the rest are actually all true. I thought I was actually really surprised that Flavor of the Month, John Cusack didn't get this role. I mean, he was riding high off every other 80s comedy. Granted, this was going into the 90s, it was a little older for it, but I'm shocked oh. he didn't get it. And I, I, that was her lifestyle at the time. So it was perfect casting, I thought. Oh, my God. I wish it had gone to Cusack and Applegate because my two biggest complaints on this movie, and we'll get into it, is fucking Brendan Fraser's portrayal of Chaz grinds on me, and so does the Kayla character. So, Lynn, which of the five facts do you think is total bullshit? I know that you have now taken to taking a real fact and splicing it in half and making half of it true and half of it fake to trick us. And so it's number five because I know you that are, song- <laughs> you are correct the yeah. third week in a row. Yeah. I feel like you may be hacking into my fun no. facts. No, but, I just know the way your brain works. <laughs> but Tony, you must give it to me. Putting Mike Palm of Agent Orange in there was pretty good. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I knew Reagan Youth did it, but I didn't the members of Reagan youth, so I couldn't say that. But the thing is, I do have the CD of Degeneration, mm-hmm. and by by the band that came out in the '90s, right? That had on it, as well as a couple right. other singles, which was actually a really good CD. Well, the original of um, Degenerated by Reagan Youth came out in 1983, and if you listen to it, it's not very good. I mean, it's punk, but it's not very good. Um, Agent Orange, on the other hand, yes, please. Okay. Um, let's go into the budget and box office with a budget of $11.2 million and a box office gross of just $5.8 million. This movie was a flop until we all saw it on comedy central (laughs) and they played it on a loop forever. And it gained cult classic status and, uh, became what we all love now or what we all thought we loved. (laughs) Uh, Dylan, would you please give us a synopsis for this rock and roll gem? I will, and this is a quick one. Three band members hoping for a big break head to a radio station to play their demo tape and wind up holding everyone hostage with plastic guns while the head DJ refuses to play them. Story of my life. All right, let's get into it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, And I'm going to just let you guys know I have two just gems of road stories. I know Tony's been dying to hear them, and these two are going to knock your socks off. And, uh, As we go through these rock and roll movies, I have certain stories that will match certain movies. And Tony, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie CBGBs. Yeah. Okay. Great movie, right? Did you enjoy it? I did. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as accurate as it should have been, but yeah, it was a really enjoyable movie. I liked how they brought in, you know, like Talking Heads, uh, Blondie, you know, uh, 
uh, police. Like I thought it was pretty cool. Like you said, it wasn't as accurate as it could have been, but it was definitely entertaining. And it's one I'd like to do because I do have a fun story from when I played CBGB's. But anyway, we'll, we'll stick. all you have to say is we'll CBGB's st- bathroom and everybody goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I will stick to my whiskey go go stories for tonight. So let's get into it. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. At the start of our movie, we get a shot of DJ Ian, played by Joe Mantegna, behind the microphone on air before we see Chaz, played by Brandon Frazier, getting off his motorcycle in front of Palatine Records. He sneaks in and attempts to give his demo to Jimmy Wing, played by Judd Nelson, before being removed from the premises. Back at home, he's watching MTV when his girlfriend Kayla, played by Amy Locaine, comes home from work. He's not done anything at the house and couldn't even bother mailing in the rent, though he did have time to dump her makeup into the toilet because she left it on the back of the tank. After telling her he's doing the hard work while she sits in an office smoking and drinking coffee all day, which sounded familiar, she throws him out. She tosses all his belongings into the alley, and he leaves on his motorcycle. So, Tony, have you ever had somebody throw your stuff off a balcony? Not off a balcony, but I've I've come home to boxes. (laughs) It's hard not to go, bitch. You know, it's like, you can can understand it. You can relate to it a little bit, even though he's wrong. It's like, dude, you have no idea what I do during the day anyway. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I have so much to say about everything you just said, but I'll let I'll let Des go a little bit before I, I go off. <laughs> yeah, you can hear him like <laughs> bubbling. <laughs> well, in Chaz's defense, he didn't have a stamp. Okay, so <laughs> right off the bat, um, but yeah, you know, this, I I lived this life. I mean, I I was Chaz, only not as annoying, but I was Chaz for a while. You know, where not and I think annoying. we all not not as annoying. <laughs> no, I meant Chaz. I meant. I meant Chaz wasn't as annoying. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, See, I think I think we've all been there, you know, not working. The girl is, uh, you know, doing whatever she's doing, riding the pole more than likely. And uh, yeah, I could I could relate with this character of Chaz. And back in the day, I thought I was cool, but looking back on it, I'm like, what a fucking joke, man. <laughs> yeah, big fish, little pond syndrome was huge back in the day. Mm. Yeah. Um, see, but that's the one thing I always took pride in. It's like, you know what? I have, I've going to school, got my degree, working, playing out at night, doing the flyers, doing the pasting, doing the whole thing, doing the practicing, doing the writing. So I had all of that. So mm-hmm. I, no one could ever say, but I totally lived, quote, lived the lifestyle when you could. I mean, you, you thought you were bigger than you were. You, you played it bigger than you were. As soon as anyone's like, hey, aren't you in the band? Damn, yeah. Thanks for seeing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hats off to you because I played it completely differently. I I didn't work and I'd sleep until, you know, four o'clock. I'd stay up every night doing drugs and just being a complete asshole. And yeah, I I was, yeah, it was, it was bad. So the movie, not for nothing, the cast of this movie is phenomenal. Like you got everybody. Every scene is like, oh my God, they're in this? I forgot he's in this. Oh my God, David Arquette shows up. It's like, there's somebody in every scene you're like, that's that's great. So I mean, every looking scene. at it on paper, it's really, really good. Then yep. you watch it and you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we get two Ghostbusters. We get fucking, uh, you know, we get everybody. Like you said, yeah. we get everybody it's in this just, movie. It's just awesome. And not for nothing, back in the day, Amy, the the, the high point. She be, Between Crybaby and this, gorgeous. Right, she was in Crybaby, that's right. She was just beautiful. And then watching her... I watched it last night. Watching it last night, I'm like, oh, really? It's like she's a lot not as as 
good as it's cr- it's cringy at some points right like yeah. there was definitely like a point like she called she's like you butt and i gotta be honest with you i don't think it's her and i actually don't think it's brendan fraser either i think it was the writing i think the writing was a little suspect they they definitely played it down to try to be the pg that it could as, as pg close as it could to get the audiences in i get that but i mean just her appearance it's like she was living she was playing the la la blonde yeah but she well, wasn't it's like it's, it was it was it was a very weird performance. A lot of these are very weird performances. It's like that suddenly goes into a serious like dumb moment. Like right. back to back. And don't even get me started on, on Kramer. Michael Rich is like, I can't stand <laughs> and every scene with him was just basically UHF. He just yeah. can't play anyone but the mop boy in UHF, you know? And and, and, and Kramer. Was- yeah. Yeah. And it was a bad version of UHF. Like he just they shoehorned him in the movie. He didn't need to be there. It literally did not need to be there. And it's funny how you said, you know, they tried to PG down this movie because originally um they wanted Rex to be wearing a shirt that said blow me. And he had the shirt that said blow me on it. And they were like, No, this isn't gonna work. Get him out of that shirt. And um Pip had a tattoo on his neck. And they didn't like the tattoo on his neck. Fun fact, I have two tattoos on my neck. Um, <laughs> they didn't like the tattoo on his neck. And uh, yeah, they just they they just dumbed it all down. They they took all the edge off this movie. The, uh, the, movie, character, did, the movie did what the characters were fighting against in the movie. <laughs> 100%. And uh, they, they crafted the character of Rex after um, Rex Brown from Pantera, their bass player. And for me, Rex is the coolest character in the movie. He's like, he's kind of like the most real adaptation of of a, a cool rocker guy in you know the, the early late 90s you know what i mean i definitely like he, I would agree with that yeah rex was cool i i, I could relate with his character you know pip is <laughs> pip is just not even a real person it's ridiculous he's just adam sandler being adam sandler literally yeah adam sandler performance yeah, and, yeah, and this is this... like the this is like right in the middle of his Saturday Night Live run. This is like right before Billy Madison. So like this is early, early, you know. So he's kind of doing that's what he did. Yeah, you know, he's that very was Adam Sandler. Yeah, I mean, you see his and... whole his whole cast of every movie is in. I mean, you get Farley. You got the guy who plays the cop who's got the big eyes for Grandma's Boy. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody in his his arsenal is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Chaz character was very unrelatable. I didn't know a lot of guys that were riding around up and down the strip on a fucking, uh, you know, $30,000 Harley Davidson fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like was Chaz from like, you know, Connecticut or something? I mean, might have been. Any... Well, they said he was from what, Indiana or something like that. He was like, when, what's from his real Midwest? Name? Uh, Chester. Yeah, he played Chester. D&D. He was a fat kid. He got D and D. That that whole admission was just like that's one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah, of yeah. the movie is just like I'm not cool. I wasn't cool. <gasps> I played D and D. We'll get to it anyway. Uh, I played D and D. We all played D and D. We didn't play D and D. I don't know why that has such a bad rap. I know. Yeah, D and D was fucking cool. I'll play it right now. I do. Um. <laughs> so did you notice that the front fender of Chaz's Harley said "fag" on it? I did. I why? Did. The only time you. Can- read it it's upside down because the way he parks it yeah and, I, and i'm like wow they didn't block that out it's like it was very surprising and we were trying to decide if that was something that he had like done on purpose like did he think it was cool or did somebody write it on his bike because chaz is a fag That's not to be derogatory oh it's a good but back when this was in the early 90s 
and you yeah. had Sebastian Bach running around with the you know AIDS kills fags dead oh, T-shirt. God, oh, God, that was the worst. So I mean, it was, uh, back then that that's that was the thought, the mindset, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's like it was a it was a thing to make fun of to show that you were metal, you were rock. Right, you know, it's like right. Like, oh, yeah, I don't I, yeah, it's ugh, there's some really questionable choices. And one of the character traits that I was talking to Dylan about that I thought was really kind of just it was just kind of weird. Like, I mean, there was I didn't have a problem with it, but like Pip's ongoing obsession with why don't black people like me? Like it, it, he kept they kept returning to it over and over through the movie. And it was just kind of weird to me. It was like I like they didn't really explain it. Like why Pip was so obsessed with this. And I, I love the guy, the, um, the, the engineer tech. guy. Yeah, yeah. The tech, he was fucking great, man. Like he's like saying to him, like, don't call me G and take a step back and stand on my fucking dick, dude. Like, yeah. you know, I, okay. I like that, but I didn't get that. So go ahead. Yeah. Let's not jump too far ahead. All right. So Chaz goes to meet his friends and bandmates. Rex, played by Steve Buscemi, and Pip, played by Adam Sandler. Back at Rex and Pip's apartment, Chaz is impressed with the amount of fake toy guns they have. They were discontinued from Rex's job because they look too real. That night, they go to the Whiskey A Go-Go and watch a band that they think is beneath them, but somehow got a record deal. The band thanks Ian from KPPX Rebel Radio, and Chaz gets the idea that if they can get on the air at KPPX, they too will get signed. All right, honey, go ahead. Whiskey A Go-Go story. Okay, so these are two gems. So the first time I played the whiskey, I got the cover of the Rock City News, which is like the local Hollywood rag on the strip. And we almost sold the whiskey out on a Saturday night as a headlining act. I mean, it was, let's just say we fucking killed it. It was crazy. Which band was um, this? The Boston Brats. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Good. So the next, I think it was the next year, or maybe two years later, we went back and we played again on a Saturday night. And this time the club had told us, you know, guys, there's going to be no pyrotechnics this time. Do not fucking use those pyrotechnics again. Like we almost, you know, blew out the pots on the board the first time and they just said, don't do it. But being the fucking just disrespectful, like assholes we were, which is like why everybody hated us. We like packed them extra tight. <laughs> and like 10 seconds into the first song, we blow them up and the power is cut to the stage and we hear over the house thing, fucking show's over. So I pull my pants and my underwear down to my ankles and before I can turn around and tell them to kiss my ass, these two giant fucking security guards from the whiskey grab me and throw me out onto the strip with my little dinky swinging in the wind. <laughs> um yeah. And so record deal, really. No one came to sign you that night, huh? Uh well, <laughs> actually, I'll let Dwayne answer that later. But so the this is the better of the two stories. So the first year after the great show, we had gone out to Long Beach, California for a house party after the show. I guess we got there probably about two thirty in the morning or so. And I had been doing coke and drinking all night, just like uh every idiot was doing back in the day. And we had gone out there and we started smoking some weed and drinking, trying to get the landing gear out, you know, come down a little bit. And there were some glasses of orange juice lined up on a breakfast bar in this house. So I took one and I drank it. And not too long after that, my guitar player pulled me into the bathroom. And he's like, dude, you look fucking like unhinged. He goes, you're acting fucking crazy and you look fucked up. And I immediately start panicking. We leave the bathroom, this giant bald man is in the kitchen and he's, I can hear him yelling who the fuck drank this orange juice. And there was like, you know, three or four of them lined up. And I said, I drank 
the orange juice. And he came over and he kind of got in my face. And, you know, I'm like, why? And he goes, that was mine. And it had methamphetamine in it. And he, and he can see the look of like sheer panic on my face now. And I mean, it's obvious I'm acting completely fucked up and there's something wrong with me. So he kind of, his demeanor changes a little bit and he kind of gets a smile on his face and he leans into me and he says, I hope you're not busy for the next couple of days. And he walked away <laughs> and I fucking lost my mind. And I insist that I be taken to a uh, Cedar cyanide hospital where I laid in a dark room on a gurney for several hours uh, while they peppered me with little bits of, uh, of um, Benadryl <laughs> and uh, eventually made it back to my hotel. And uh, the guy that was managing our band at the time gave me a bunch of Valium and knocked me out. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> yeah yeah i also uh that night that the pots blew and they got thrown off uh somebody did approach him and say hey you know i'm not really interested in the band but you're you're a character i'm interested in you and uh des said to him you got any drugs and the guy goes no and he goes all right bye and he runs away with his pants still around his ankles (laughs) now mind you i'm like come back here come back i'm holding all of his clothes all of my bag his bag chasing him down the sunset strip while he's got his butt out. So yeah, that was quite the night. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Mm. Oh, so Tony, do you have any, uh, do you have a, a story no, of no. debauchery you would like to share with the viewers? No. I'm sure Tony has some, but he is not willing to share with you guys. So there you go. Smart man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. You're just showing your whole ass all over again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think on this show, everybody's seen my ass several times. <laughs> so the next day, our heroes go to KPPX. They attempt to break into the station through the back door, but have difficulty with it until a girl stepping outside for a cigarette break opens the door and knocks it right into Pip's face. Feeling bad for him, she goes back inside for an ice pack. And then when she heads back inside again, Chaz tosses his backpack down onto the door edge so it doesn't close all the way. The three now head inside, walking quietly past the office of Milo Jackson, played by Michael McKean, who is telling Doug Beach, played by Michael Richards, that there's change coming to the station and he's trying to handle it delicately. Once they make it to the broadcast booth, they let themselves inside, much to DJ Ian's surprise. Seeing an opportunity, Ian puts the microphone in front of them and puts it on the air. Milo is pissed and storms the booth and tries to throw Chaz and the boys out, but when he calls... Rex Hollywood Boulevard trash. He snaps and grabs one of the fake guns and puts it in Milo's face. Chaz doubles down by grabbing another one and tells him to play their tape. Meanwhile, everyone is hearing what is happening out and around on air. Doug calls the police and Jimmy Wing is listening to them shit talk him back at Palantine. So, uh, Tony, what is the deal with the radio DJs in our movies having curly black hair? (laughs) (laughs) It's apparently the the go-to, go-to do. The go-to look? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, with the Hawaiian shirt. Yes, yes. I mean, that was the thing. It's like he was like the total opposite of what you picture KNAC and all the metal guys that were like on the radio at the time. It looked like that when you finally saw them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember Rocco for AAF. Like he was, he was just a big doofus. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's just like, anyway. Um, and touch, touch on before is the fact I love that they got Judd Nelson to be the slimy record oh. producer. Love that was I, I love that, that was perfect casting. Fucking John you know, Bender. People, people don't give him enough credit for the movies he's picked. Like, cause he just after the Breakfast Club, he just went away. But it's like mm-hmm. people forget he had a really good run. Like he was 
City is an, like an amazing character. He was in the movie, this movie called From the Hip, which he was a lawyer, which is an amazing movie with um, John Hurt. It's like a murder mystery, but he plays a lawyer. And he's very good. Totally against type of what he's always played. It's like a slimy kind of jerky guy, but he was, he like, I love that they put him in that. And every chewed the scenery. Like he, yeah. he, he loved that role. You can oh, just, yeah. He loved that role. Um, I can imagine him back uh, in the time that he did the Breakfast Club. Can you imagine that being jazz? I mean, John Bender would have been a great jazz. Oh, yeah. Been, I think it would have been a better Rex. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Definitely. He, so he was keeping it real. <laughs> I did. I did want to say so when he's in the, uh, he, when he's up at the record company of Palatine, Chaz, and he's trying to get Jimmy Wink to listen to his CD, remember the band wearing all the hats? Yeah. That was like a thing, man. I saw that. I'm like, well, they got that right, man. That was so goofy. <laughs> oh, but it was so real. Don't say anything. You're going to fuck it up, you know? Yeah. And uh, I also like that it showed that Pip and Rex, you know, lived in that shitty apartment and the gear was set up in the apartment. They were practicing in the in the apartment. In his apartment, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and if you look there, he had like the soundproofing stuff on it because you know the, the neighbors complained. And, yeah, and so they're they... always on the second floor, too. Yeah. yeah. It's cheaper to live on the second floor, so the bands always have the second or third floor. Yeah, pounding the ceiling with the kick drum. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I thought that was great, Tony. Were you um? Did you ever play at the Charlestown rehearsal studio? Is that the one in um? Uh... Su- Sullivan Square. Oh God, yeah, we live there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I lived there for about probably two and a half or three years. Yeah, like actually um, lived there. He actually yeah. lived there. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. Like, we we had that. We had the couch that was, you know, when yeah. when you got when you got in the fight, that's where you went. You know. Yeah. No. I when <laughs> I moved it, back, put this way: if the it, it was pretty much if if you saw the the lock had a colored zip tie on it, you didn't go in. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of like the, it was the, it was the band equivalent of the scrunchie. Yes. Yeah. No. I I didn't have a couch. I I literally just that's where I lived for like three years. Like I didn't have a you know another place to go. So showers were so gross. Oh, I mean, it was there was no hot water, so you literally have to just put soap on your dry body and then go in and just ah, rinse it all off and like you know run back to your fucking room. But yeah, those they were the worst of times and the best of times. It was it was pretty cool. And you know we had the second floor because we moved around a lot in there. But it's like when we had the second floor, we were right above. so when we yeah. go to gigs, open the base up, there's donuts. I smell donuts. And it's like it, was, it was amazing because like my whole, all my gear smelled like sweet pastries. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But what sucked was, you know, when you're starving and there's no food and no money oh. and you're smelling those fucking donuts. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That place was cool, man. It was open 24 seven and you could just fucking live there. It was really something. I know. It was, it was like an, it was like a whole era. It was so yeah. weird. Yeah all the other bands and everybody was cool you know it's like oh yeah all right. it was and you had that the scariest fuck elevator you know oh. sometimes it works sometimes what everybody like you know everybody see what happens that's right that's right and it was an ongoing party there like on friday and saturday night man there was just you know there was fucking joints being passed from room oh, yeah. to room to room and girls oh, yeah, just wandering no the make sure you close your door if you're gonna play fuck that everybody's doors were open on the weekend oh right. oh yeah it was like you're playing yeah, little mini shows went there and hung out yeah mm-hmm it was awesome, man. That was fucking the balls. It's uh, I think it's a car dealership now or something. It's no, it's a townhouses. They turned into oh, is it townhouses? Oh my God, did they? Yeah, that's almost as bad as turning Man Ray into condos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just awful. 
Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, the movie. <laughs> the yeah. movie. So the movie. let's let's not gloss over what you just said. So Tony, let's let's go through this. So they break in, and uh, and this is pretty cool because you know you can see that um that uh Ian is on the air, and you can tell he's burnt out on this. And these guys come in, and before you know they put him at gunpoint or anything, you know he's like so you broke in here to get your demo played on the air. And, you know, he puts them on air and spins the mic around. And I think he's doing this to kind of bust Milo's balls and just flex a little bit on Milo. And he's letting them talk. And I thought this was a pretty, a pretty awesome scene, you know? Yeah. I, totally I liked agree. it. Yeah. I mean, and, the, the scene before at the, uh, at the whiskey, they basically had the two of them going back and forth about, you know, it's like, how, why, why are we playing these guys? These guys suck. It's like, yeah. he knows what's good and what's not. He's like, well, that, that's good. Yeah, that's why they get platinum albums because you play them, right? It's like it, it's the game, you know. Yeah. It's like he was playing the game, and unfortunately, he didn't want to play it anymore. Later on, he has a chance to turn the tables with the gun and doesn't. Yeah. Yes, we, we'll get to, but yeah, I I liked I liked the uh, <laughs> I liked the Lone Rangers. You know, they seemed like a like a real band. They were cool. They were just playing rock and roll. There were no outfits. They were just fucking cool. I could see why. Uh, I could see why. Uh, you know, Chaz. Chaz is saying, you know, listen, I'm not pulling pud, man. My whole life force is on this demo. Well, that was that was how many demos? It's like you wrote a full. We wrote a full length CD. We all did at this point. Yeah. You know, it's like so. It's like you, this is our shit. It's like the first CD is always for decades. You finally yep. put it down. This is everything we got. You know, and hopefully we'll get to it when we get to it. But it's like the whole to kind of the Western civilization part two documentary yeah. about the sunset strip, that whole 10 minute scene of like, well, what if you know, if you don't make it, Oh, but I will, if you heard oh, but I will. you hear it, you'd, you'd, you'd know I'm going to make it. It's like, you just have to hear no it. question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where is he now? Here? Like how many times did we send CDs to radio stations, to clubs? Like, Hey, did you listen to it? Did you listen to it? You listen to it. Not to it. You know, they didn't. Yeah. No, they're not getting to it. Yeah, they have we no all, interest. We all played the promotion game. We all played the booking game, and yep. it was maddening back in the day because there was only a handful of booking live rock acts. Yeah, you, right. you had to go out. You had to go to New York City. You had to go somewhere else because Boston only had what? You had the Rat. You had Narcissus when it was open. Oh yeah, I played you there. Had, you had Mamakins if it was there. You had Bill's Bar. Played Red there. Square for a little you bit. Were lucky to get into Avalon Axis. Yeah, you had Red Square, which was also. Red Square, what else was it? The Rock Pile. The Rock <laughs> yep. Pile, right. Um, Club Three. The Channel. The Channel. Oh, see, that was that. That was before me. I missed the channel by like a year. The Rat, which I played. Oh, I must have the Rat. Yeah. The Rat was our, we played the there rat. twice a month. We loved yeah. that. The best club I ever played in Boston was by far Narcissus Upstairs. I mean, that was fucking legit. That place was just beautiful. You know, with that stage. The, with the... Yeah, they closed the year we started playing out, so I missed it. I was pissed. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the that rat, was... Rats. Well, enough of The only one that ever gave us was mommikins yeah they had like the most beautiful green room it's like we actually get a dressing room you're kidding me it's not just a closet it's funny like, we we played mommikins and we brought a bunch of hay bales in and lied in the stage with them and the guy was pissed about it and we fucking <laughs> left them there when we left right <laughs> so they ended up putting all these hay bales behind mommikins which just like rotted and they were like that band's never playing here again and a friend of ours band, and, and this is all just a blur, but they insisted that we open for them. And they said, that was it. They're just like, 
they this mama kid wanted this band to play they were it was like canine or something one of these bands that was coming up at the time and uh they were like no we we want the brats to open for us pretty much we're not doing it so we ended up getting back in there after the booking agent was like they will never play here again leaving that shitty hay on the stage <laughs> and it was it was pretty uh satisfying walking in and being like what's up buddy <laughs> oh my god you were just making friends all over town yeah it was funny one of our other buddies that played in the band i'm not going to mention his name on the air but he was at the rat one night and someone's like hey you know the boston brats and he was like yeah i know the brats they're my friends and he goes give him a message and he punched him in the eye and fucking knocked him out <laughs> poor kid you, you, you guys were a little obnoxious dude yeah that's a message i'm glad i didn't yeah. get yeah, <laughs> a little obnoxious. Oh, we were boy. we were saying today, if anybody asked you that question, the answer is no. Like, if anybody asked me, like, were you in the brats? I'd be like, oh, definitely not. I heard their dicks though. <laughs> the playing the playing lands down on a, on a weekend night when the Sox are playing it was just awesome. Oh yeah, and it was just amazing. And honestly, one of my favorite stories from playing we played Bill's Bar one night on a Sox night, and next door Motorhead was playing. Oh. <sighs> So we're loading in and we hear the rehearsal and we're like, all right, fine, whatever. Oh, and then so we're good. Out, and all of a sudden we, so we look down the street and this is like, that can't be Lemmy. Is that Lemmy? What the fuck is that Lemmy? So I run to the van, get a CD, run up to him like a fucking <laughs> fanboy. I'm like, I, I, I like blurted out like, hey, here's my CD. He's like, oh, man, great. Thanks. How much I listen to it? He'd never listen to it. But you know what? He took the time, stopped to a loser, talked to a loser, took a CD, <laughs> shook my hand and continued on his way. And it was just like, I met Lemmy. I met Lemmy. You touched God. I did. I touched God in the same <laughs> night because Wasp were opening. Black Eagle oh. didn't even spit at us. Wouldn't even look at us. Hey, man, we love you. We love Wasp. Didn't even acknowledge us. Piece of shit. I'll continue oh. till the day I die. We'll say Wasp. Anyone in Wasp aside from Chris Holmes, piece of shit. Oh shit! That's I mean, a fucking that's great surprising. story, dude. That's a great story. You met fucking Lemmy on Lansdowne. Yeah, that's fucking Just awesome. Walking man. down, smoking a cigarette, doing his thing. Holy Which shit! Is what Lemmy does. First concert I ever saw was at the Orpheum, and it was uh, Wasp. Uh, what is it? Except and uh, the Zodiac Mind Warp. Good oh concert. God. Zodiac Mind Warp. Mm. Boy, that's a blast from the past. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw them playing. Uh, that was the triple bill. It was Trouble, Zodiac Mind Warp, and White Zombie at the Palladium. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, first, my one of my. I don't remember which one came first because I was thirteen. It was either Van Halen on the on the um, the Diver Down small tour they did or it was ozzy and crew at the centrum oh that's the, for, but it's like, was that shout at the devil shout the devil yeah oh fucking so good best show i ever saw was um guns and roses at the orpheum for uh appetite for destruction and well, how about you tony i saw them at the paradise no wait this, guns this, and roses right, this, this will be my story nice so, i mean what i'm, I'm 17 mm -hmm. 18 I used to go to strawberries on a weekly basis yep. to look for new music. And hey, there's this video that's playing. This this Welcome to the Jungle. Let's go. Let's me and my buddy Mark get in his car. Let's go to strawberries, see if they got it. We parking lot. And all of a sudden, this other car pulls in, like, blah, 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 blah. Hey, is this the Peabody Strawberries? I'm like, no, this is Saugus. Why? Oh, Guns N' Roses is going to be at the Peabody Strawberries doing a signing. Do you know where it is? I'm like, yeah, yeah, follow us. We'll go. And we figure, all right, we'll go grab a CD. It'll be cool. Cool, meet them, whatever. And so we go. We're the, literally the last people in line. We go. I pick up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get. An, I'm going to get actually buy an album, and I got the band album cover, signed by all original members. Oh. And as I'm going through the line, they're like, oh, you know, and and Duff's like, hey, do you play? 
I'm like, yeah, I do. I play bass. It's like, oh, that's great, man. Like, keep that up. He was like, really, really nice. Slash smashed out of his fucking mind. Just, just a mess. <laughs> Steven Adler has me hold the album in front of me, and he signs it like he's a fencer, like fencing. Oh. And then he laughs and puts it down, and I actually signs his name. And so we're getting towards the end, and um, Duff, Duff, we, since we were the last people, Duff got up and kind of went towards the end. He's like, hey, are you guys coming to the show tonight? And we're like, no, no, we, we didn't even know you guys were playing. Sorry. Tell you, tell you what, bass player, meet us down back. Like, come, there's a stairway in the back. Meet us down there. We'll, we'll, we'll set you up. We're like, all right, we don't, we don't know who these people are. We heard the song, we liked it. And yeah. then, so we go down around, around back, and we wipe by the stairs. And about 20 minutes later, door kicks open. They come down the, the stairs in the balcony, and they come down. And Axel, Izzy, and Steven Adler go away, and Slash with their handler and Duff hang out because there was only room for certain people in the van and chat with them for like 25 30 minutes and they oh. said all right yeah come to the paradise tonight we're playing in boston yeah we'll put you on the list we're like all right you're cool it was a good thing you know just hang out shoot the shit and so we're like you know what we should we should try let's see if we can get in because we were only 18 17 18 at the time and it's a yeah. 21 plus place but let's go let's go see what we could do and we go and we're like hey we're, we're on the list it's like what's your names we get our names he's like you're on the list and it's like, are you sure? Like, they said we were on the list. Like, they on the list. And then the guy who was next to him was like, no, 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 check the band list. We were on the fucking band's list. Oh. And we got to we got to go in and, and, and watch the show. Fucking A, man. That's a great story. That All right. A little, a little story. That's awesome. That's a, that's fucking good stuff. I don't know. I get the album framed on my wall with all like the quote in you know influential albums that influenced me up to play bass. Damn. I'll bet that one would be uh would we'll go for some pretty nice coin on eBay. That's never leaving my house. You get that thing. <laughs> you get that thing authenticated by James Spetz fucking authentications. That's going to be an expensive record. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they are in the sound room. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, Milo is going to come in and tell them, get these fucking guys out of here. Yes. And this is where we get uh, Chaz saying, I am rock and roll. I'm out there. I'm living it. You look like half a butt puppet with your Hagar slacks and your little fucking ponytail. And he pulls it. And it's a real ponytail. I love. I this. also love that they got Michael McKean for this. You know, it's just so perfect. <sighs> you best. know, Spinal Tap. They were like, yeah, but let's put a dude from Spinal Tap in the movie as like the uncool guy. Like that's the best part. Yeah, and, and what's have, great there's is actually is a Spinal Tap poster in their apartment. There's a Spinal Tap poster in Milo's office. Office. Yeah. I was wanted to say sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Perfect. I love it too. Yep. All right. So the tape that the band has brought with them is a reel to reel, but they're only set up to play CDs and cassettes at the radio station. So gather around, children. Once upon a time, if you wanted to listen to music, you had to get a physical copy of the album and use something called a cassette player or a CD player to listen to them. You damn whippersnappers in your streaming. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Milo goes to Marcus's office. Marcus is played by Reggie Kathy to get the reel to reel. Marcus needs to fix it for it to work, and Pip tries to have a conversation with him while he does, and Marcus is having none of it. Doug, meanwhile, is crawling all over the office commando style. It's basically the Kramer character, but he does that pretty well, so I guess I can't blame them for using him to continuing to use him that way. Now, let me just let me get in here real quick. So the building that they used for kppx <laughs> is in the same parking lot mm -hmm. as the building that nakatomi tower was in so yeah, 
him crawling through the air ducts was kind of like a nod to Die Hard. 100%. You can actually see the Nakatomi building in several scenes in this, and they definitely did that as a nod to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there while I was talking about him crawling around in there. All right. So back in the broadcast booth, they're getting the reel-to-reel ready to play when Ian asks them the name of the band, the Lone Rangers. He basically (laughs) tells them that they have a shitty name when he explains why none of them can really understand the problem. They start the song running, but the tape becomes unraveled and lands right into the ashtray with Rex's discarded cigarette, and it bursts into flames. The band decides to make a break for it, but when they do, there's a cop at the door. They decide to round everyone up, including Carter, played by David Arquette, and try to figure out what to do from there. So at this point, uh, Des, what do you think? A smart move would be to give yourself up to the cops and just be like, it was a joke. But they don't, obviously, and it would not have made a good movie. But I have... I have so many problems starting out here. Okay, so first of all, he's put his whole life force on this quarter-inch tape, right? Mm-hmm. So all they have, now, they presumably they've scrounged all their money together and made this demo. They have exactly two copies of it. The reel-to-reel, which you can't play anywhere, and one cassette, one, that his girlfriend has that is made with tape on it that says, The Lone Rangers. <laughs> And that's it. They have not made any other copies of this tape. This is what they have. What? I mean, Tony, what? You have the car copy. You have the home copy. You have the safety copy. Four to five of them, just to make sure. You've given some to friends. Can you listen to this? Give me what your thoughts are, which level are. Should I play lower the bass? Should I bring the guitars up? Oh, my vocal's yeah. getting lost. It's like yeah. everybody's got a copy. Are you kidding me? Like, there's, that's it? There's two copies? No. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't even. I don't even know what what else to say about this. It's just like, what the fuck, man. I mean, I, that, I hate to say it. it's like, I, I like I said back in the day, this was a really fun movie to watch. Being in a band, oh, fun. I get it. I yeah, fucking Lone Rangers, man. Yeah, watching it, it's so cringy. Like, there's so many sophomoric jokes in it. There's yeah. so many terrible performances. The the writing is just the writing yeah. and, and choices of the characters were given just terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but again. We have to get through it now, but it's like there's all there. There's small little jokes and small little performances throughout the whole thing that make the whole thing really fun. So I, I, yeah. I, even though I'm going to probably shit on it for the next half hour, I still <laughs> really like the movie. Yeah. Lines and throwaway, the throwaway lines. It's like, you know, the Chaz's delivery. And he's like, you can't pluralize Lone Ranger. And he stares. And he, Brandon Fraser just literally just gazes. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't, I don't know what you're saying. It's just like a perfect delivery, and it made me actually laugh out loud. Oh yeah! Like, Wouldn't shouldn't like you that. be? Yeah, shouldn't you be the three Rangers? <laughs> and his his uh, when he actually introduces them on the air, I mean that is fucking gold for the first time anywhere. I'm guessing the Lone <laughs> Rangers. I this you know this, this movie is a guilty pleasure. I love it because it reminds me of a uh, cherished time in my life, as you. So it makes me feel good. It's like eating macaroni and cheese. But you show this to a kid today, and they're gonna be like, "What the fuck am I even watching?" Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, the one thing we haven't touched on yet, which I, I have, I was around. I think when he was going on Records, is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's got. Some, I mean, I don't like Four Non Blondes' version of "I'm the One," but again, it's "I'm the One" written by Van Halen. So, I'm... but it's right. like. I'm sitting there going like, wait, I know that song. And it was the song by Stuttering John, Talk My Way mm-hmm. Out of It, which I bought. The, I remember buying that CD for that one song. It's a really good song. 
And throughout so, the whole movie, there's so many songs like played in the background that are actually really good. So fun fact here is um, the guitar player of Four Non Blondes was actually my roommate when I lived in San Francisco. His name was Roger Rochera. And during the earthquake of 1988, we were sitting in our apartment and um, it started. And he was like, ah, you know, they used to say, you know, why do you say wicked? Why is everything so wicked and so mad? And he'd be like, ah, oh, here it is, your first earthquake. And, and then he starts like getting this look on his face. He's like, dude, this could be it, basically. So we're on the third floor of the apartment. And I, I go running for the stairs. And he's screaming. He's like, dude, no, do not leave. He's like, just get in the doorway. I'm running down the stairs as this thing is shaking. And I realize once I get out in the street, you're not out running an earthquake. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Roger, I should say, he was not like per se my roommate i had guys that i split the rent with but in san francisco at the time you know everybody was just staying everywhere so he would stay at my house for a few days my apartment he would stay at the band's apartment which was this disgusting apartment in the city and it was funny because when you would go over there the tub had so much fucking hair in it i mean it's the one thing i remember was how much fucking air was in this tub because it would collect in the drain from all these you know scumbag rockers and they would just pull it out and stick it in the corner there on the tub and yeah it was like a little a little mm. animal <laughs> that's, 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 that's yeah. why we made, we made it through covid because we, we stayed and lived in places like that <laughs> no totally dude i could lick doorknobs all day and have yeah between <laughs> between going in the bathroom with the cbgb's we, we all the immunities man so, yeah, oh, I think shit. if you use the bathroom at the rat, the bathroom at CBGB's, mm -hmm. even the bathroom at Man Ray, I think you're okay. <laughs> oh, listen, I sniff cocaine yeah. off the off the back of a toilet in every freaking nightclub in Boston. Oh, you're you're gonna outlive us all, Keith. <laughs> oh, uh, I would also just like to say I I have been completely 100% sober for going on almost 10 years now and you know i live a completely different life than i did back then i was a complete asshole drug addict scumbag and you know i try to be a better person now so you know, when when do <laughs> <laughs> well let's see he's been clean for 10 years and we've been married for 20 so you just yeah. <laughs> oh, shit okay <laughs> Moving like on. Realization makes everything a lot clearer, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my nice. God. All right. Yeah. So the police arrive, including O'Malley, played by Ernie Hudson, and Wilson, played by Chris Farley. They want to know the demands for releasing hostages. Of course, Chaz, Rex, and Pip are woefully unprepared for this moment and don't know what to do. Chaz decides to get another copy of the tape, but Kayla's not home, and she threw her tape out the window of the car. People are now starting to show up at the radio station, and it's turning into a party. Chaz comes out and tells O'Malley he's going to have to go find Kayla and she's probably somewhere on the strip and they need to get the tape from her. They release the receptionist Yvonne as a show of good faith and Pip says he's going to miss her. Rex gives him a hard time over it, but that's just not who Pip is. Carl Mace, played by Marshall Bell, shows up with his crack team and tries to take over O'Malley's role. He takes a phone call from Doug, who's been crawling around inside the air vents and decides to make him his man on the inside. So... You know, Tony, the guys are trying to make the most of a bad situation, but it's it's things are unraveling pretty quickly, if you ask me. Oh yeah, I mean, just the the, the cluelessness of it. Was just <laughs> it, it, I actually enjoyed them. Like they didn't see the gravity of it all, and every once in a while, there'd be like a little glimmer of like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. 
Uh, I loved Arquette's character. The Clydesdale stale man. What's the Clydesdale stale? How many Clydesdales it would take to rip her off your face? Oh, God. <laughs> fucking. I loved his character. I thought he was fucking great. And, uh, yeah, there, there's, there was a ton of goofy shit that just doesn't play now. But I laughed at the time. And I loved the, um, what was his name, the tech again? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Marcus. Marcus. I love Marcus, man, because he was ready to fucking whip their asses. Oh, yeah. Like, he was like, you put that gun down. I, it's you and me, mano a mano. You know, <laughs> he was fucking, he was awesome. And he's playing the fucking Gibson Flying V. And, you know, and you get Pip with all these absolutely retarded things he keeps saying, man. You know, I'm down, gee, I, I was there, you know, public enemy and anthrax. And and then when he's saying to the, the secretary, you know, uh, is it hard, you know, like when you go into a store and, you know, they're looking at you like you're going to steal something. She goes, that's never happened to me. Has it happened to you? And he's like, uh, uh, look at Chaz out there doing this thing. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? He's just it was so weird because he's so dumb. And he's there. He's portraying this character with like no mind. But it's girl. And Chaz explains it. It's like he's got the quiet, cool. It's like it's all an act. It's like and like we've all known that guy. Yeah, who plays dumber than he is. The chicks and it works. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> so it's like I when, once he right. explained that, I'm like, it put it in a kind of a, like a new light. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. No. I guess now that you say that, yeah, I'll go with it. I love when uh, I love when Rex is saying, you know, these are our friends, man. You keep being nice to them, and they're not going to do what we say. He's like, you know, he's like, show me your show me your fucking game face. You know, he's like. Uh, sit down, please, you. And he's like, no, that sucks. And then finally, he's like, you know, I'll fucking rip your eyes. I'll piss down your throat and I'll kill you with my dick. I'll kill you with my dick. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I don't think he actually said I'll kill you with my no, dick. No, but that, was, that was close, yeah. I think it's something like, I'll stab you to death with my dick or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's fucking awesome. Oh, my God. All right, so outside is really like a party now. The band is contra- taking control of the airwaves, and they're playing the music that they like, and the people outside are gathered gathered around and jamming. Rex, blah, 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 blah. what are words? So Rex asks why they don't play all the good CDs that they have, and Ian says that it's Milo's fault. Rex then says that Milo listens to Easy Listening because there's a whole box of it in his office, and Ian's ears perk up immediately. He knows Milo isn't into music at all, and this makes his spidey sense tingle. He goes to the office and digs through the box. He confronts Milo. Milo reveals that the radio is being reformatted and restaffed, meaning everyone is losing their jobs. Ian attacks Milo. <laughs> you get this good moment where Rex's like, fight, fight! <laughs> Meanwhile... Meanwhile, Wilson has gone to the strip to look for Kayla. He goes into the white zombie show playing at the whiskey where he gets shoved into the pit before seeing Kayla at the bar. He tells her to go with him, but she doesn't want to have anything to do with Chaz at all and takes off. So, Des, we've all known the pain of our favorite radio stations reformatting. You know, KPPX was based on KNAC, which went off the air six months after this movie came out. So it was almost like it was telling... The, uh, the future and of course here in boston we lost aaf bcn fnx we yeah. lost them all you know satellite and streaming yeah. takes a little of the sting off but i still miss those old stations they were the best okay. yeah it was crazy how right this movie got it you know um th- the bottom line is you know people don't they don't want they don't want to play this kind of music anymore um 
and yeah, this movie was was uh, very forward looking. I mean, it, it called it way before it happened. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many times we would go to like you know the Centrum to see Slayer, and mm-hmm. AF would be out there. Like, oh, we got Slayer. Why? And we would literally walk like, why are you giving us play Slayer tickets? You don't fucking play it on your radio. Yeah. You don't play Slayer. Get the fuck out of here. You don't belong here. This is yep. not your crowd. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I fucking, I tell you though, I loved Ian. I thought Ian was a great character. I thought, I thought the actor played it great and uh, it, it really worked for me. Yeah. Um, it's so not his kind of character. I mean, the guy was fucking Joey Zaza in The Godfather 3. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's but like he pulled off the cool so, like, to go slumming to do this movie with Adam Sandler. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like that paid for a summer house somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he pulled off the cool. I mean, he, he pulled it off. It was, uh, I thought it was a great performance by him. I bought it a hundred percent. Oh, totally. I mean, we've, we've all dreamed of like taking over radio stations back in the day, taking over MTV videos. We want to see. Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. How many times can we see 18 in life? How many times can we see youth gone wild? Like, dude, show me a live version of sweet little sister. Show yeah. me something. Oh. Like, show me the deep cuts off like the good albums. Like yeah. show me push push off of Cinderella, off of Night Songs. I don't want to see nobody's fool again. You know, All it's right. like let's hear the good stuff. Occasionally, you'd have those like hour, like the radio was like, oh, we're gonna do an hour of deep cuts, and you'd hear it, but it's like two in the morning. And it sucks. You know, what's crazy about and I mean this is I mean just because you said it, what's crazy about Cinderella, man, is <laughs> the fucking the band came out with you know. uh nobody's fool right wasn't that it or was it shake no, me it was shake me was first yeah. yeah right and you know these guys dress like the biggest losers and i mean at the time it was cool i get it it was cool and they were billed as one of these glam hair bands but the bottom line is tom keeper and his voice has since failed him something happened i know he had to have like his vocal cords fused or something he had like a problem and he, he look rushed at his in. style his style but, he was tearing his throat up yeah right it's like the guys but, from Girl School. Any Fox. It's like it's painful to listen to. Yeah. What's What's weird about him though is that he is like a really good songwriter in the vein of like true rock and roll. Like this guy can do like Aerosmith, Stones. He's ultra talented. He's an ultra talented guitar player. If you listen to some of the early stuff live, their live sets when he's doing like Gypsy Rose and stuff, yeah. this guy could really sing great, man. Well, the long, the long Cold Winter was a really well-written album. It was I loved style. it. Yeah, it, I yeah. loved that album. Bluesy, bluesy rock. It was yep. sleazy rock. A little yep. more edge would have made it the sleazy rock it could have been. That's why yeah. I didn't like it as much because, I mean, I was more into the sleazy just the basic rock and roll. But, I mean, I don't yeah. get me wrong. I love Night Songs. Yeah, that, that hit me perfectly. Like that whole oh, Bon Jovi introduced Skid Row, and then they, they came out with Cinderella. They brought them both on the road, and it was like, I love these bands. And they did the flippy I, guitar thing too, which is cool. Now, yeah. see me, I always look at like at the time I was totally in. You know, I was. I was. I was there. Yeah. I was Aquanet. I was ready to go. I was sure. put. I was using the lighter on my eyeliner. I was ready to roll. But <laughs> you know, uh, I look back now, and I'm like we lost out on a lot of really good music because A&R guys and radio stations and, you know, uh, the, the people at the, you know, the record companies were making them do music in one way. Like we, Des and I have talked about this before, but weren't who was like the, the worst, Awful, like cherry pie is fucking garbage. I'm sorry if you like uh, it. Yeah, I'm but he sorry. wrote it in like ten but, minutes. Yes, and Down Boys is garbage. I'm sorry if you love it. I'm sorry, but if you listen to Uncle Tom's it. Cabin, 
Yeah. It's such a good song. It's amazing. It's exactly. a really good song. And it's like Janie Lane was actually really a talented songwriter. And he was stuck writing these garbage lollipop songs yeah. because that's all the record companies wanted to put out. And well, it, 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 it kills me. I thought you were going to go down the road that I, I I will die on this hill. They came out, their third album is the best album they ever written. Dog Eat Dog. It's mm -hmm. a written, mature album. Everything, I mean, the guitars on it are amazing. His vocals are yep. amazing. The songs are perfectly, it was just, it was a perfect album. Like, I love that to this day. Yep. Still in my rotation. But I They mean, wrote good songs. They did. And and you'd never heard them because, oh, they're not the flavor of the month anymore. It's not the style. Right. So, I mean, all the bands that are still playing the fairs and they're still they're still trying their albums are actually really good like skid row just came out with another album it's fucking heavy it's that really singer's good that like singer new, is good the, the guy. new singer's really good yeah i actually really liked the new um songs the la guns version with tracy and phil they just came out with a bunch of new songs and it, it's really good i liked yeah, it I didn't, I didn't like it i, oh, I didn't care for it so bad yeah i wanted to like it but i couldn't <laughs> but man talk to me about extreme's new album but that new oh, single I, I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, Nuno, Nuno got heavy. He's like, oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shed the Rihanna for a little bit and give a little balls to myself. But anyway, we're off topic. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a lot Maybe. of these bands, unfortunately, a lot of these bands, like we're saying, like Warren and uh, Cinderella, they came out during the lipstick era, and I don't think, especially like Cinderella, that wasn't really what Tom Kiefer was all about. And then when they tried to shed it after Appetite for Destruction, no one was buying it. They're like, nope. Can't do it. Same with poison. It's like, nope, can't put the leather vest on now, chief. <laughs> See, poison, poison never. I don't ever want poison to change. I saw them. I saw them in the summer on the tour with Crew and Def Leppard, yep. and they were they were easily the best one out there. No, they, they put on a great show every single time I see them. Exactly. Yeah. I don't ever want them to change. Keep writing the bubblegum shit. Keep playing. Keep kicking. Keep yeah, are jumping. I'm I'm on board. That's you. That's poison. As I want to remember you. Yeah. Like. I don't want I don't want to hear them do anything else. Right. I I have yeah. trouble listening to hair metal now. It's like for me it just it doesn't really resonate anymore but like I can listen to fucking The Cult and it's just like oh it's still it's timeless. It's timeless. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kayla has fine. finally heard them asking her to bring the tape on the radio. She stops and finds it on the ground where she threw it after it's been run over, kicked and a dog peed on it. She heads towards the station, though she's still pissed at Chaz. The band is making a list of demands, including 76 copies of Moby Dick. Doug is still crawling around in the air ducts and eavesdrops on Pip and Susie getting a little spicy before Max tells him he wants to give him a gun. In an act of defiance, Ian turns the music up very loud and tells everyone on air about the station switching formats. Milo finds Pip and Susie on his couch before the lights go out. A Capitol Records A&R guy is at the door, played by Harold Ramis. He tells them to come on out because of all the exposure that they're going to get. After a few questions, they decide he's a cop and not a real A&R guy and chase him off. Chaz gets the cops to turn the power back on. As he's going back inside, Kayla shows up and apologizes for being a bitch, though honestly, I think she had every right to be upset with him. Max stops her and tells everyone that Chaz's real name is Chester. Chaz reveals he was a nerd in school. He had a bug collection and played D&D. &D. Others in the crowd share their nerdiness, and it's honestly kind of wholesome. Kayla runs to Chaz, and they hug. So... Tony, I mean, like you were saying earlier, you played some D and D, uh, and were you ever a part of the Warhammer games at Steve's house back in the day? No, I can, I can say I wasn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> but but we were fencing outside his house at two in the morning after a show. You know? Yeah, nice. yes, you were. So nice. I think you might have been wearing a Three Musketeers 
yeah, bib. That, that's a good possibility. Yeah. I did have the yeah. hat in the yeah. end. Yes, yeah. you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, I remember just, this. We'll, we'll move on. But uh, I will just say that D&D's had a glow up. People don't quite paint it in quite the bad light that it had back in this movie. Yeah, Stranger, Stranger Things pretty much made it cool to play D&D &D now. Yeah. Good actually good point. Good point. Um so I mean you there's so many so many things start can you can i go point by point of what you're talking about yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, geez, they don't so, remember. it was like so much the whole end of the movie there. <laughs> Hold on. so kayla finds the tape the dog peed on it she heads back yeah. to the station all right the band yeah. <laughs> fucking yoko it's like she's like oh i'm gonna destroy everything oh but i love you but like i hated her by the end of this movie i just wanted her to go away I, I actually thought she was either. poorly written. Like she just she didn't have an agenda and she didn't stick to it. So and the ongoing stupid joke between I, mean, I wrote that song before I met you. I wrote that song after I met you. It's like oh, who fucking cares when you wrote the song? Right. Girl, girls need the song written for them. Every girlfriend I've ever had is like, oh, did you write that for me? Yeah, of course I did. I write <laughs> all my music for Delin. Fun fact. <laughs> These days, at least. <laughs> so, uh, so the band, the list of demands. The 76 oh. copies of Moby Dick, the uh, football helmet okay. full of cottage cheese. Again, great throwaway lines. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, they made a book out of that? <laughs> <laughs> Again, throwaway line. Made me laugh out loud. And it's like oh. when they're walking by later and, and Pip's looking at the the, the naked. Oh, the B. naked Arthur's pictures like, of B. Arthur. Is that, is that B. Arthur? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how they tricked the uh, how they tricked the guy too with the Lemmy question, oh, which yeah, I yeah, used in that, the. Yeah. That was fucking great. That was great. And, and at the time, though, I was on Van Halen's side, so I was like, "Oh fuck!" Now I'm like, oh, "I get it." Yeah. 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 Um. Also, there's the uh, the bug collection, the D and D. So we covered that. Yeah, okay. They they cut to the people in the crowd. It's like one's the first little nerdy little black guy. Like I played D and D too, and they cut to a big tall guy. I you know I did this. And it's Lemmy. They have yes. Lemmy in the crowd. Yes, they do. The best. <laughs> the best. Was... They actually got quite a few great cameos. You get Lemmy. I mean, and white zombies in this movie. It's like what? I didn't remember white zombie being in this movie. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. that was they they offered that to a couple other bands too. Um, who was it? Uh, I was just looking at that. They offered it to. Uh, Pan it wasn't Pantera. No, it was. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking. Metallica. Metallica turned it down, and there was like a hardcore, like a like kind of like a Slayer type band. I Testament. can't remember who it was. Yeah, Testament. Testament. That's right. That's right. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad we got uh, White Zombie. And I, I can't be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure, like, they did use the outside of the whiskey in that opening scene, but I'm pretty sure that these shots from inside the whiskey were not the whiskey because it didn't look like it to me. It looked way too big. <laughs> it, one, it looked too big. And two, it had that like weird silk curtain behind it. And the whiskey's got the big whiskey sign behind the drum riser and stuff. So didn't look like the whiskey. I have not been at the whiskey enough to know. So I'm just going to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So once inside, Chaz and Kayla are fighting again. And Chaz tells her to leave. She throws a chair through the window of the broadcast booth and fries the board. Despite this obvious malfunction in the relationship, he tells her that he loves her. So, uh, like, I hated this part. Then they go outside to gather the items the police have gathered from their list of demands. But when Rex goes to shut the door, the tip of his gun gets caught in it and it snaps off, revealing that it's a water pistol. Marcus punches Rex in the face and he and Carter run off. Milo is also making a break for it, despite the fact that he's still tied to a chair and Chaz hits him in the eyes with the pepper spray. Nice. Doug decides now is the time to hold them all up. So he's holding the gun out from the air shaft and tells him to freeze. 
but Ian hits his hand with the big baby bottle. <laughs> the gun falls and real bullets spray all throughout the lobby and the police fall back. Ian picks up the gun and momentarily holds it against Chaz before handing it to him. He's clearly gone team Lone Rangers at this point. So, Des, are you team Lone Rangers? <laughs> I don't Maybe know not. At this, at this point, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm team Rex. <laughs> I'm team Rex and team Ian. How about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I want Ian and Rex to start a band. <laughs> And again, oh, and again, another one of those little throwaway things they do is like once we know that the pepper spray is in there, it's the yeah. Tabasco sauce. When he goes into like he, Chaz is like taking a moment of reflection. He, the kitchen at the radio station pulls out a burrito, takes a bite, doesn't like it, sprays it with the water gun full of Tabasco sauce and takes another bite and he likes it again. Yeah, That's a great scene. I wrote that. It's, it's, it's coming up. I wrote that one down because that cracked me up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking great scene. It really is. Good scene. <laughs> Well, it was funny because I couldn't remember, like, did they all have pepper spray? And at one point they were spray, like, uh, one of them was spraying Pip in the face. And I was like, did, did he just pepper spray Pip? But I think it was just that one gun had the pepper spray in it. Yeah. Yeah. Pip's not going to fart on a snare drum. <laughs> no, he is not. I'm not going to fart on a snare. Again, delivery. <laughs> yeah. Anyone could have delivered that line differently. The way he did, I'm not going to fart on a snare drum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I said, the movie's fun. It's fine, but after a while, some of the uh, it's so, some it, of the it's it's kind of childish. Yeah, some of it gets but hard. It's to fun. Swallow. It's yeah. fun, but it's childish, and it, that's okay. Like, not every movie has to be War and Peace, you know. No, no. Figure uh, it, with a metal movie, they could have gone hard R and just been a little more obnoxious and a little more. I don't know. I, I wish they had. Know, the one R-rated movie that I always go to when I say it, the, the, the R, it needs to be R to be funny is 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm. Right. These movies in the world because it has to be a hard R because of mm-hmm. the dialogue that they say and the things they talk about. Yeah. Definitely. Like, this could have gone the heavy metal comedy route of that. Yeah. I feel. It I mean, be I don't better. know how to get it there, but... Yeah, it would have been I, better if they did. It had to be. It, like I said, it had to be. This movie was watered way too far down. Honestly, like I, so I had huge problems with Kayla, like huge, huge problems with Kayla. Just wishy-washy, like you hate them, you love them, you hate them, you love them. You throw in chairs through a thing and frying um, like a million dollar board. Like, ah, it just bad writing. I didn't like her. Like, I wish that they had let her. Be like, fuck you, punch him in the face and actually leave. And then like you get like a an after like you know how you get the afterwards and they talk about what happened to the band afterwards. I wish it had been like Kayla went on to become like a multi-million dollar like record producer and she never talked to Chaz again. Like I wish it had ended like that. Yeah, I yeah, didn't I would, need I would that. rather seen her go the Sharon Stone and Casino kind of way. I'm with you. Thank you, Tony. I'm with you on that. <laughs> with a biker biker gang who yep. drinks. Overdose in a Motel Six. Oh, that's no. your ending. That's your ending <laughs> right there. That's your ending. Bitch. <laughs> that's your ending. Oh shit! Yeah, and the Chaz character, man. Uh, not to you know the pun, but it degenerated for me, man. By the end, I was just hating Chaz. I'm like, you're such a fag. Don't make us be lame, man. It's like just shut up and fucking lip sync the song. Yeah, oh, and I mean, yeah. I love Brendan Fraser. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he can do no wrong. But it was it was a little rough in spots it's, on this. He, he did the best w- with what he had. That's yeah. it. We, we know the man can. 
is enough and nothing. Yeah. He was a fucking caveman in Sino Man, and he rocked that fucking movie. Yes, he did. No, All I've right? never seen. So, yeah, and that was before this. Yeah, so. no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, it was the character of Chaz I didn't like, and 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 I will say this: there was not a lot of like like bad acting in this. Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody kind no, of. I don't did... think it's the acting. Like yeah. I said earlier, I think it's the writing. Yeah, everybody did their job. I mean, I felt like I felt like everybody did their job, and it felt like a legit movie. It didn't feel like a B movie where you're except except for fucking Michael Richards. Michael That's Richards. his name, right? Say, yes, the, he was a caricature. Yeah, it didn't work. Like that felt like B movie. Like he was the one actor that really just did not pull it off in this movie. And he's a great actor. Like he can. Oh act no, like, no, no, no! He's not a great actor. He's he classically not, trained. He's a. He's not a great actor. He, I don't. He, he's he failed his training then because he's not a good. Actor. <laughs> he is not oh, a good actor. Chris Farley could have won an Oscar for this movie more than this guy did. <laughs> hey, well, be, good in this movie. I mean, legitimately, Michael Richards has done Kramer. He's done Kramer, and he's done Kramer. All that's right. What well, is going I, I on guess, here? I guess the fact that I am like a Seinfeld like heroin addict. <laughs> is probably makes makes but, but that, that's what really crushes me about this is that i just couldn't believe how bad it was oh, you know, i did hear michael richards did just barely lose out on schindler's list to you know it <laughs> <laughs> was a neck and neck fucking race between the two oh <laughs> shit <Michael> richards, <laughs> he's a great actor <laughs> Okay. Oh, man. You okay. just removed from the fucking podcast, dude. All right. So, Tony, give us the perfect ending with Michael Richards' character. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> he has in his ass. He ends up covering his whole body. It turns out it's leprosy, and the man dies while he has like a bowl of blood. Oh, God. Leaking out of his body. No, he burns. It. He burns up in that fucking air duct. You know, yeah. like the chemical spreads up there, and he burns up like a little TV dinner. I got it. Oh. Awful. I'm with you. Like, so Awful. I'll watch, I'll watch UHF over and over. And over. Job perfect in that. He's supposed yeah. to be an idiot. Hey, he kid, you want to drink from the fire hose? Drink from the fire hose. <laughs> oh, so good. I mean, again, the one scene I will give him just because, again, the writing. And then again, moments of perfect perfect writing it is when the SWAT guy is talking to him and the, the signal's bad. He's like, well, it wasn't the, the, the Marine R2. Oh, he's like, oh yeah, you're a Marine? Marine? Great. It's like, well, uh, no, no, I was an accountant in the Marines. No, you won't be held accountable. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was weird. That part, that's the only part I'm going to give him that was really funny. Yeah. It was. It was. But even that, I, I just, like you said, the character took me out of the movie every single time. Like, don't do this. Yeah. What movie am I in? Where am I? Yeah, absolutely. And, okay. And just because we've touched on it a few times, the part will, like, it's pretty much the whole end of the movie. It's like more and more people coming to the parking lot. Yes. It's like it did it well, but I'm sorry, no other movie did it better than Empire Records. Right. The, the ending of that to me is like the perfect gathering to sit. You know, let's 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 save the gym. You know, it's like yeah. you get the montage and everything. Like that to me, perfect. This felt a little silly. Yeah. I mean, there's there's different levels of movie making, you know. I mean, you got like um Dazed and Confused, you know, for instance. Oh, classic. Just I recently watched like, that too. Oh, just fucking great movie making. Great movie making. This is fucking trash compared to a movie like that. This is junk food. This is a Happy Meal. This is a McDonald's hamburger. Tastes good. It's a mm. white castle. Dude, it's totally a white castle. It's not even a man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. White castle, I'm scraping the onions off the top because they gave me too many. You know, it's like. So, oh. so. I, it's, 
<laughs> so after the CBGB's gig, I was so I was in such bad shape that the band went back to Boston and I had to actually get my hotel for another day. And I sat in the dark watching a um, Star Trek Next Generation marathon eating White Castle burgers. I got like 36 of them and I sat there for like 40 hours straight just eating those, shaking, watching this fucking marathon until I was well enough to get back to Boston. Fun, fun story. Yeah, you didn't save that one for CBGBs. You're not well. <laughs> yeah, I was in bad shape. <laughs> I don't know how you made it back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny because they had rented a giant box truck. So all the roadies and everybody like drove down in the back of the box truck <laughs> in the dark. Like, yeah, it was fucking weird, man. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with that. I drove down like a gentleman, but I went home like a corpse. <laughs> oh it was Literally. fucked up. It was fucked up. Oh, my God. All right, moving on. Yeah. The crowd outside the radio station continues to grow, but Jimmy Wing has arrived. Milo offers his services to hammer out a deal, and he and Wing begin going over the paperwork while the band gets the rest of their gear ready for Jimmy to listen to the tape because nobody's been able to listen to it yet. There's a mm. relatively quiet scene here that might be my favorite in the whole movie where Chaz finds the taco or the burrito. I couldn't tell which it was. Unwraps it, takes a bite, uses the water gun, pepper spray, shoots some sauce on it, and takes another bite. So at this point, Ian's trying to fix the board, but there's no dice. Jimmy gives the band a record contract anyway. Once Chaz realizes that Jimmy hasn't even heard the song, he wipes his ass with the contract. However, Jimmy explains that being under Palantine Records means that they have an army of attorneys at their disposal. He calls O'Malley with more demands, and the next thing you know, everything they need to have a live music show appears. However, it's not really live. There's no juice to the amps. Jimmy tells them to just pantomime to the music, much to their chagrin. Jimmy threatens to walk if they don't perform. Chaz refuses, and as the music starts, he stands with his arms outstretched, obviously not playing his guitar. The crowd rushes the stage, and the band destroys the fake equipment before jumping into the crowd. Next, we find MTV broadcasting the Lone Rangers live from prison. The band has served three months in prison for kidnapping and assault with pepper sauce. Their album, Live from Prison, is a huge hit. And that's our end. Oh, well, let me take it and I'll give it to you. So, all right, fucking, this is where the movie just fucking crashes and burns for me. First of all, I don't need to hear the fucking Vince Razzle story again. It's in bad taste. Okay. I, people were I was surprised people, that was in there. Yeah, people were killed. People were fucking injured that never recovered from their injuries. And they're making they're making fun of it. Yeah, I agree 100 percent on that. It was, I, when they it said was, it, I was like, ooh. It was fucking trash. I mean, Vince Neal's a fucking garbage human being. And that was fucking uh, the story didn't need to be in there. I, it, it literally left a bad taste in my mouth. I did not like it. Um, secondly, when he's like, oh, I can wipe my you heard like two seconds of the song. I'll be a rock star, but on my own terms. Like, Chaz, you're never gonna be a fucking rock star. This is it. It's your one chance, dummy. And he, he wipes his ass with the thing. Then really they get out on the stage. Yeah. Oh God, it's so fucking lame. Then he gets on the stage and you know, Jimmy Wink says to him, Guy, this is gonna be the fucking video. Like, like we're we're seizing this moment. You've you've held this place hostage. All these people have come out like legit. This is a moment in time that is captured. Like this is going to be on all the news channels. Like this is magic. You guys have to lip sync so we can sync it up with the fucking album and make a video. It's like, you know what, buddy? 
fucking you're under arrest. Get the fuck out of here. We don't want to do degenerated. Japan sucks. Your history. <laughs> fuck off. That's that's where I am. If I'm Jimmy Wick, I'm like, fuck off. That's it. Well, that's what you did. <laughs> oh, God. Tony, go ahead. Take us from when he wipes his ass with the fucking contract. Just, I actually want to go back a little further because I actually really like the scene. Of Michael McKeon and Judd Hirsch, Judd, Judd Hirsch, Jesus Christ, imagine if he was in this. Oh <laughs> I trade him for Michael McFucking, whatever his name is, yeah. Michael Richards. Um, I like them sitting down and going through the like the contract. I actually like that Michael McKeon turned to like kind of help them. Yes, because he saw it was he knows what he's doing. Like I like that scene. I thought it was like a really good little scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just again watching. On and off was really fun. Like I, yes. I just liked him a lot in this. Like getting in, getting in Chaz's face, doing the close talk, and then backing up with his hands up like he's being thrown. Boom, 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 boom. It was it was a good interaction. I liked it. Definitely. Um, I do agree that that you know it's like everyone wants to. Oh, I want to be real to the music. I I just got into a band because the music. Fuck you, got in for chicks and drugs. You know what you did it for. Yeah. Don't lie. It's like everyone wants a record contract. You'll do whatever you have to do for a record contract don't don't bullshit with the music it's like i i understand that was like the hurrah moment but yeah i agree and who's ever been in the band want just i'll sign whatever you want me to sign yeah you know, yeah to do it. at that moment i'm like jimmy is there any way we can fucking lip sync this to the album yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and i i did from prison and the line is like oh yeah the tour starts in six months three for good behavior you know? oh yeah <laughs> another good line it's like and rex is humping his face and pip is like dude what the fuck are you doing there's a bunch of guys out there and the guys are looking at him he's like oh yeah <laughs> and this is the one good thing that amy locaine brought to the to the dance she looked yeah. she danced like an la rock chick she whereas did. the guy the sister from three o'clock high kid she was just like i'm gonna left and right and left and Amy Locaine's like moving, like she did. She that was her her saving grace in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaz sucked, man. Fuck him. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm so used to the de- degenerated being sung by the original singer. Hearing him do it was like he sounded like oh, he sounded. Like, <laughs> he sounded like. It's like, oh my god! It's like, is he is he having a stroke? Like, grab his I mean, it sounded it sounded like Brendan Fraser. I mean, it just sounded like his talking voice. I could you could pick it up immediately. Yeah, I I am glad that they used him because, and I'll tell you, as we know, back in the day, a lot of these singers and these local bands couldn't sing because I mean, if you didn't know how to play an instrument, like I'm a singer, you know. Um, (laughs) And I. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I was I was a guitar player first, and then you know was asked to be a singer and did it, whatever. But you know, most of these guys didn't play any instrument at all and really had no musical talent at all, and were just like, "Yeah, I'm a singer," because I mean, that's the way you get laid and you're, you know, you're partying. And a lot of these guys really just weren't singers; they couldn't sing at all. You, you know, good hair. You can be in front. Yeah, I, yeah. If you have good, if you have good hair, you don't even have to sing. Yeah, you can just have good <laughs> hair, and you know. Yeah, you're good. Like, yeah, you're in, man. You're you're fucking in the band. But God. <laughs> oh, you own us. You own the sound equipment. You're you're the singer now. Oh, you're in. <laughs> you got you're a van and a PA. <laughs> yeah. You're, if you you're own a, a van. You're in the band, man. Oh shit. <laughs> so oh true, boy, fucking a man. Oh, okay. I think we did it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we done did it. 
Oh, boy. So, all right. Let's give our rewatch scores for Airheads. Tony, go ahead. Give us your rewatch score for Airheads. Uh, enjoyed my time watching it, but it was definitely a, a huge nostalgia watch. Yes. If I watched, like you said, if, if some I was showing this to somebody, I, it is funny. It is funny. Like I know it's not funny right now, but wait, there's a line coming. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to. It's definitely like a. It doesn't hold up. I'm, I'm sorry. It just it's not even because of the fashion or the music. It's just the way comedies are nowadays. It's like they're pushing envelopes. They're going the extra mile to get the laugh. This was a very sophomoric written movie. Very basic, lowest common denominator to apply the situations to heavy metal, to apply the situations to bad. It could have been a rap yeah. band. It could have been anything else. They just went with heavy metal. So you took, all right, they have to have long hair. They have to be dumb. They have to like, it was all of the stereotypes. Right. Yeah. And it, it went checkbox every single one. So I'm going to only out of five, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a three because I, I appreciate it for what it was when I first saw it for relating to a lot of the analogies in it. And again, more just the nostalgia of like, I miss that time. You know, I had a yeah. lot of good times during that time. So that's what it brings back for me. I'm going to show it to anybody anytime soon. <laughs> you know, and I know what you're saying, Tony, because it's a three because you almost feel like you, you just owe it to yourself in the movie to give it a three. But if like it didn't hold any like weight with your past and it wasn't something you had been watching back then and I just showed it to you today and you had never seen it, you'd probably be like, fuck this movie. It's not you Spinal know? Tap. It's not even remotely close to Spinal Tap. I mean, it's no, even, but... it's like, I can't even think of another movie I would relate it to because it doesn't match any of the classic rock movies. No. So, I mean, it, it is good for what is the one thing I'll say, and I, I forwarded it to Dizzle earlier. It's like, it's funny because the Coolidge is actually showing it next Friday at midnight. No, really? Go to see who's going to be there and how the crowd reacts to it. Oh right. So be, right. I'll, uh, maybe I'll report back in a future podcast. But yeah, like, for the next for the next rock and roll podcast, I would if if you, you go, I'd be very interested. All right, Dylan, what is your rewatch score for Airheads? All right. Um, as Tony said, there's a lot of like fun nostalgia here, especially for those of us that were into hair metal, into rock bands around this time. You know, late '80s, early '90s. Like, I get it. Like there's there's definitely pieces in there that I really enjoyed, but there's also a lot I didn't enjoy. There was a, a lot of bad writing. I disliked Kayla immensely. I disliked Chaz. It's like, which is a bummer because I love Brandon Frazier and I pretty much love everything he's done except for this. Like I just didn't care for it. And um, like the low hanging fruit, all of the jokes were low hanging fruit, you know. And yeah, you get a couple laughs, and but it's it it never felt clever. It never felt like. It, it felt like it was playing to the lowest common denominator, you know, um, expecting the people that would enjoy this movie to be the same, quote unquote, idiots that they were writing the movie about, you know, so they have to like softball the the, the jokes into you. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a 2.5. All right. So 2.5 and a three. And for this movie, if this is a movie that you've watched a million times and you've been watching since the beginning, like. I'm sure Rich Cambrello, who asked us to do the movie, and myself and Tony. If that's the movie, shit, you're going to watch this movie probably anytime it's on. If you just flip into the channels and it's on, it's something I can put on in the back while I'm strumming my guitar or just doing whatever the fuck I'm doing. And for people like that, it's fine. It's great. It's it's a piece of pop culture for you. And it's probably like a, 
a 4.5 is what you remember it. Cause that's how I remembered this before I watched it for this. I'm like, this is a 4.5. Like I didn't even need to watch it, but then I watched it. Okay. And after watching it, it's not a 4.5. It's a three. And it's only a three because of what I said. It's a part of my past. And it's something that I've seen so many times. It's like, it's a mole, you know, it's like, ah, uh, there's that mole. I've got a mole, <laughs> you know, I'm used to it. I, I, it's okay, but it's a mole. This movie's a fucking mole. So with Delin's 2.5 and Tony and I's threes, I'm going to give this movie a 2.75. I know that's not going to be a popular score with the, uh, metal heads in my world that are going to hey, listen Rich. to this podcast. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but it's a 2.75. So there it is. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for stopping by, listening to the show. The listenership is growing at a huge rate since Delin put us on Instagram. On Instagram, we are now suddenly getting lots of new listeners and lots of new listens, and the show is really starting to take off, which is awesome because we work really hard at this, and uh, it's something we enjoy doing, talking about movies. So I'm glad it's finally starting to pay off, and we're starting to see our listenership grow. Delin. You know I love watching movies from separate rooms and then talking <laughs> about them with you. Tony, great, great tonight. I could hear you heard all of your wise words of rock and roll wisdom tonight. The Guns N' Roses story was a fucking absolute gem. That's that's one for the ages. That's that's something that you should really treasure. That's a once in a lifetime. Yeah, that's something special. Yeah, that's something special. And if you ever want to sell that album or trade it for something, <laughs> I'm I'm your man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's gonna die with that album. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking he's gonna. They're gonna be throwing the dirt on that album. Um, next week we will be back with Mickey, and we will be reviewing and discussing the movie The Heat with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Uh, Sandra Bullock. I've never seen this movie. Um, I have no idea what to expect, but that's the movie we're doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the following week, we will be doing um, Jumanji. Yeah, we were going to do uh, Grandma's Boy, but I think we're going to do Jumanji just to back up uh, the last Kevin Hart and Rock movie we did. So we're going to kind of back to back those with Pat. Then we're going to be doing The Departed with Mickey and Tony. I will leave it up to you to pick the next rock and roll movie we're going to do. Pick a good one for us. Oh, You'll you let us know. Because he's going to pick Grease 2. <laughs> no, Grease oh, 2 yeah. doesn't count. No, Grease 2 doesn't count. That is, that's a uh, musical. That's a musical. Yeah, that's he was. He also movie. told me that I'm not allowed to do rock and roll because we will not be doing animated uh, animated show. Um, no disrespect. Movie. No disrespect against the movie. I. It's a great movie. I get it. It's iconic. People love it. But we don't review cartoons on this podcast. It's a rule. We only it's do rule. it. With, Who, it's a rule. This rule getting made. He made it's this not, up because he just doesn't want to do that movie. So he no, made this rule up. It's not that I don't want to do the movie. We review movies with actors, not, not voice actors, <laughs> with right. actors. So that movie will not be reviewed on this podcast, unfortunately. So does that include The Wall? Does it's got animation in it? No, the wall is again a movie we won't be reviewing because it's just it's just I listen, I love the wall. I've tripped on masculine and watched the wall and enjoyed it very much, but it's not something I want to talk about for an hour and a half. Right. You know what I mean? Um I there's just too many other great rock and roll movies out there like Spinal Tap and 
you know, there's just a million of them. Spinal so tap just be us for four hours quoting Spinal Tap. <laughs> really, it's hey, so, time you got lost going to the stage. I remember I did. You know. So <laughs> it's funny. I actually have a guitar that I've never played, like Nigel has. Don't even look. I at bought. <laughs> yeah, I bought a 1979 slash 80 Gibson Les Paul standard off a gentleman who had cancer and he was selling it to pay for his, uh, his treatments. He was an old biker and he had bought the guitar at Walpole music in 1980. And he was in an accident. He didn't play guitar at all. He bought it with the intention of learning to play guitar. And he was in an accident and he damaged his hand badly and was never able to learn to play. So he put this guitar in a storage space and never looked at it again. And I, and I, I answered him and I said, I want this guitar. He's like, well, I got a guy coming uh, to look at it. He said, he'd give me 1800 bucks for it Friday. He's got to wait till he gets paid. I'm like, dude, I'll come down right now with $2,000 and buy it. So we drove down there and he pulls this thing out, Tony. It still had the case candy in it. The receipt from Walpole music, the little booklet, it had never been played. It had been sitting in the fucking case for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I I can't fucking play it. I can't play it. He played it I, once because the guy asked him to send a video of him playing it so that he could see it being used. And, yes. you know, so like it's his wish. So Des yes. played a song and videotaped it and we sent it to the guy and then he put it back in the case and he's never touched it since. It doesn't have a pick. No. I understand it. I get that. I do get it. Oh. God, it's it's just it's beautiful. It's it's really a thing. So I did a little video on YouTube of all my different guitars. And when I got to that one, I did the old I did the old Nigel with the fucking accent. And you know, don't look at it. You've seen it enough. And I shut the case. It was so gay. <laughs> all right, guys. I think that's gonna end this podcast. We done did it. So uh Rich Cambrello, thanks for um thanks for requesting the movie. I hope we didn't disappoint you too much with this one. We didn't really talk that much about the movie, but I think it was a fun podcast. And if you see Bone Daddy's Burgers truck out there, go and uh, get a burger from Rich because they're amazing. That's right. And also uh, a uh, belated happy birthday to you, Rich. And you know, this uh, podcast goes out to you for your birthday. So that's it. Until next time, uh, I got one question for you. Tony, you want to take it? Did you see that movie? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you later. <laughs> ah, the Lone Rangers. Hello. 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 Hi. Oh. Okay. <laughs>